Father, Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering as your people with one sound and with one voice to say that indeed you are worthy of all our praise, all glory, all honor. God, we thank you today that you didn't wait until we got it all together to draw near to us, but that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. You did it for us, what we could not do on our own, and for that we say thank you. God, because of what you've done for us and for, because of what you're doing even now for us, we don't think it's too much just to lift up our voices and say, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are true. Lord, we honor your name today. We, we call you beautiful and blessed and good and perfect because you are that and then some. So God, I, I thank you today for, for every one of my brothers and sisters in this room who have gathered here today. I thank you for all who are watching online, who are worshiping with us online. God, I, I pray that wherever they are, that you would turn that space into a sanctuary today. Holy ground. God, that you would dwell richly with them there. And God, we thank you for the songs that have been sung today, for the prayers that, that have been prayed. Father, we come down to preaching time. We pray for preaching power, that you would take your word and, and light it up in ways that we might see you in a more beautiful way. God, help us today to know what this particular word is saying to each of us today. God, I pray for the brother or sister right now who feels very far from you. I pray that you are a God who will draw us closer to you today. God, bless this church. Bless the beautiful people who call sanctuary home. Bless this community that we sit in, God, and that we are a part of. God, continue to do a healing work in the life of this community and help us to be a part of your good work here. Father, we love you. We love you. We're so grateful to know that you first loved us. Be with us now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. Can you put your hands together as you take your seats? It is really an honor and a privilege uh, to be here with you all today. And, and it's especially an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to minister after my brother uh, in Christ, Lawrence Miles, has torn the house up. Can we give Lawrence just an incredible round of applause? I I've known Lawrence for about a decade now uh, from ministry here in the Twin Cities. And every single time I'm able to serve alongside him or have him be a part of what we're doing here at Sanctuary, it is a blessing to my soul. And so I'm glad that you all enjoy the worship. It, it, that's a bonus. Like, I enjoy any time I get to serve alongside this brother. And so, Lawrence, God bless you, man. I, I pray that God will continue to bless you and use you in incredible ways. 
And we're grateful for our, our band and our production team, for all of our volunteer teams who help to make Sunday happen, for our incredible staff team. Uh, we thank God for all of you, for all the work that goes into setting uh, this, play, this place so that we might come and grow together in worship. Um, I, I want to also take a moment and just say thank you to our elder board and our staff team and to our congregation for the gift of this sabbatical that I'm going to be taking uh, next month. I, I, we didn't mention the dates, but at the end of July, I think it's the 24th of July, I'll step into sabbatical and then I'll be gone for a while. I'll, I'll come back on the first Sunday in November. And so uh, our staff team, which is more than capable, will lead and serve and guide our church during that time. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm super excited that we are, as a church, in a place where I feel like we can do this now. As as Elder Rosemary shared, um, I, I came to Sanctuary 12 years ago to serve as the youth director here at Mosaic. Nine years ago, I stepped into leadership as one of the associate pastors. Four years ago, became the transition pastor, or five years ago, transition pastor, four years ago, the lead pastor. And I, I should have taken my sabbatical about two years ago, but there was a little panini going around in the world. Um, uh, in fact, we were just coming back summer of 2021 from uh, being online for well over a year and, and I just did not feel we were in a place at that time to be able to take it. And so I asked the elders if we could push it out a little bit. And here we are two years later, finally in a place where our staff is as strong, if not stronger than it's ever been. Amen. Our elders are operating at an incredible level under the leadership of, of my queen mother, our queen mother, Elder Rosemary. Amen. They have an incredible team of executive officers that have that, that, that group moving along at an incredible pace, and they're doing some great work. And I believe this sabbatical will be important for our church, for all of you as well, because it will be yet another invitation for you to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit to have us be the church we're called to be. The mission and vision of sanctuary was never built to, to live and die based on one person. We've never been a single person ministry. And so this is yet another opportunity for you to put your hope in God where, where your hope actually belongs. And I know you all will miss me. I know it. I know it. But you're going to be not just fine. I, I believe you're going to do incredibly well. You, you might do better with me gone for a little while than you would if I were here. And then we're going to talk about that when I get back. Like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> but I'm super grateful for all of you, and I'm super excited for what this will mean for my family, my wife, my two daughters. Um, it, we need it. Um, saying yes to this church necessarily means saying no to some things in my family. And I'm excited that I get a couple months just to say yes to them as often as I feel like it. And so we, we do thank you so much for the gift of this sabbatical. Uh, we'll have over the next couple of weeks more and more information about it. Um, 
online and in our, our newsletter, The Wire, that goes out. And so continue to keep your eyes open for that. Please be praying for my family and be praying for our church and for what God wants to do in us during that time. If you have your Bibles, will you join me in Galatians chapter 2? Galatians chapter 2. We are in a series that we're calling Free. Free. It is a walk through the book of Galatians, which was the Apostle Paul's heartfelt letter to the churches in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And we've been in this series now for a couple weeks, just for three weeks to be exact. Uh, We took one week uh, last week because of Father's Day, and we stepped out of the series. But this is our third message in this series, and we're excited to be able to share it with you. Many people in our society, many of us perhaps even in this room, are afraid of the concept of death. We are incredibly uncomfortable talking about, thinking about the idea or the time of death. In part because of the work that I do and the privilege that I have and have had over the years of walking alongside now hundreds of families as they have said goodbye to loved ones, death is no longer as, as scary a time as it once was in my life. In fact, and many of you will think this might be a little weird, I, I think quite a bit about death. And I've come to realize as I was preparing for this message that one of the realities is that God... If God were to ever come to me and ask me how I wanted to die, I would actually have an answer. Last year, my, my family and I had the opportunity to go away for a little bit for a spring break, and we went to uh, Puerto Rico, and we went around the island to various pieces, places. But one of my favorite days was we took a day and went to a, a small island off of the coast, off of the east coast of Puerto Rico, And it was the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. White sand beaches. It was a it was a private beach. It was uh, there were no like no businesses there or anything. The only way in and out was by boat. And we spent the day there. White sand beaches. The, The ocean was so blue that the ocean was bluer than the sky. The ocean made the sky look kind of mid. It was like, yeah, it's cool sky. But this ocean. And then the backdrop of all that beauty, white sand beaches, beautiful blue waters, beautiful sky, there were mountains around in the backdrop. It was the most beautiful place I'd ever been in my life, and I can't wait till we can get back there again. And if God asked me, Edrin, how do you want to die? I would say, take me to that place again. Uh, bring all of my loved ones and closest friends to be with me there. Um, bring some, some fryers and some hot grease. Um, let, let's fry up some catfish. Let's, let's set it up where my mom could make her, her red rice recipe, her famous red rice. Let's, let's have that there, some sweet tea there. And let's, let's bring some, some music and let's dance. Let's do the electric slide. Plenty of red cups everywhere. Amen. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Um, And and we would do that for as long as we want to. And then at the end of the day, I I would lay down on my sleep number bed. (laughs) 
I would gather people around me, and I would say something profound, and then I would close my eyes and go to be with the Lord. And they'd think I'd be gone, and I'd wake back up, and I'd say, (laughs) (laughs) but the, the reality is, though, God has never asked me how I want to die. And and there's nothing that I've encountered in my life that says at some point God will ask me how I want to go. But as I live as a believer, God does invite me every single day to die to certain things in my life that are keeping me from growing into the person he's called me to be. So he doesn't ask me how I want to die, but God certainly calls me to die every single day to things that are getting in the way of my freedom. Freedom in Christ. That's that's what we're talking about. In fact, the title of this message today is Dying to be Free. Dying to be free. And you might be thinking, Pastor, it's kind of an oxymoron that I have to die to be free. And you're right. Because the work of salvation is actually free to us. We don't pay the price for salvation, but God does call us to die to some things that are getting in the way of us being the free people God has called us to be. We, we are free in the gospel. Because of the gospel, we are free. That is the good news. We are free from the power of sin. We are free from the law. We are free to serve one another and to serve our Lord. But that freedom at times will call us to die to some things that are getting in the way. And that's, that's what we want to spend our time thinking about and talking about today. And because time is not on our side, I, I want to go directly to, to the word. And I, I want to first call us to see that there is something that is actually called a worthwhile death, a, a worthy death. And, and one of those worthy deaths we see here in Galatians chapter 2 is that we should be willing to die to anything, any sort of re-enslaving ideology. That God calls us in the course of being the free people we're called to be, we should want to and desire to because we're called to die to any sort of re-enslaving ideology. The good news of the gospel is that we were lost and that God did a work and sent his son into the world and he saved us. And because of the person and work of Jesus Christ, we have now been set free. The the song says, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. We were slaves and we've been set free by God. But in the course of our lives, we will encounter doctrines and traditions and ideologies that if we're not careful, will put us back into slavery. That's what we see in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul Paul says this, Then after 14 years, I went up to again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along with also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I I wanted to be sure I, I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. He was not a Jew. 
This matter arose because of some false, because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Paul reminds us that we have been set free, but if we're not careful, it is easy to be bound again by ideologies which couch themselves in freedom. You see, the world has a definition of freedom that is actually nothing more than bondage with a little bit of decoration on it. The world says freedom in Christ means you can do whatever you want. Aren't we now saved? Does that not mean that I'm saved forever so I can now do whatever I want? But that's not freedom. That's dressed up bondage. And Paul says, why would you ever, after you've been set free, why would you ever allow yourself to be enslaved again to anything? How, Pastor, can we begin to recognize this, this false freedom that comes to us in the world? You often hear people say something like this, I, I, I'm saved now, so God doesn't care about my X, Y, Z. And what that really means are there, there are parts of my life that I have not yet fully given over to God. Like I've given God my heart. I may have given God my pocketbook. I'll pay a little tithe in church every now and then, but there are parts of my life that I I have not yet given over to God. And so we tell ourselves, because we are free in Christ, God doesn't care about this. But Paul reminds us that when we've been set free by the gospel, there is nothing to which we should be willing to be re-enslaved. Nothing is worth the freedom that we have in Christ. Not bad definitions not what culture offers us. Nothing is more important than being free in the ways God has called us to be free. So Paul says it's worthwhile to die to re-enslaving ideologies. But Paul also says it's worthwhile to die to man-made divisions. It's worthwhile to, to die to, to man-made divisions. Galatians 2, chapter 6 to 10, here's what it says. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, these esteemed, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Also, they asked all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do as well. What's Paul saying here? Paul is saying that the purpose of the gospel, it actually does not have room or leave room for favoritism and prejudice. Here was the essence of this false teaching that had infiltrated this community. It was this, that in order for these Gentiles who had, never, who had not been Jews, they had, they had not been born of Jewish heritage, they were told, though, that if you are to be a good follower of Jesus, you must first become a good Jew. 
And so that meant for the men, you had to be circumcised. And it meant for, for everyone that there are certain foods that were deemed holy and, and right, and there were others that you had to keep from. And they said you would never be truly saved unless you first became under this Jewish tradition. And Paul says, actually, what's happening here is that the Jews are trying to maintain their place of privilege. And he says, God is no respecter, uh, not a person of favoritism or prejudice. It, it was not the good news for the Jews, and then the rest of us got the crumbs. The good news is good news for all people. And that's good news for us today, that regardless of your background, the good news is good news for you too. Regardless of where you come from, the good news is good news from you too. Regardless of whether you can sing like Lawrence or you sound more like me, the good news is good news for you too. Regardless of what you have done in your past and regardless of what they said about you, that you would never become this or that, the good news sets you free because God is not a person of favoritism or prejudice. He says you, you must die to any sort of re-enslaving ideologies, but you also should die to any sort of man-made divisions. What are the divisions in our world today? When the gospel is, is given to us so that God's, God, we might be one new family, one new humanity under the cross, why are there so many divisions in our world today? Why, why is there a new denomination popping up every couple hours, it seems? Because we can't do, do decide or agree on certain theological issues. We feel it, it is natural for us to split and go our own way. But the purpose of the gospel is that from many becomes one. So Paul says, if we're actually going to enjoy the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus, we must learn to die to all of these man-made divisions. Paul also says that if we're going to enjoy the freedoms that are ours in Christ Jesus, we must Die to shallow human tendencies. Die to shallow human tendencies. We see that in verses 11 through 14. Paul says, when Cephas came to Antioch, Cephas, who is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, Yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Paul says, if we're going to experience the freedom that is ours, and if we're going to experience the unifying work of the Spirit, that we've got to die to shallow human tendencies. And he points out one example here. He points out a time where Peter was being double-faced, two-faced. He was being a hypocrite. When, when Peter came to visit in Antioch, where Paul was ministering, 
And there were no, not many Jews there, but there were plenty of Gentiles, these outsiders. And Jews and Gentiles had historically had beef with each other. But, but when, when Peter came and he saw what the Spirit was doing in, this, in the life of these Gentiles, he actually embraced them. He shared table with them, which was one of the most honoring things you can do in their culture, to sit at a table and share a meal with these folks. But when the Jews came, Peter actually turned away from them. He, he, he began to act like he had not actually accepted these Gentiles. And so Paul calls him out for being a hypocrite. I'm reminded today of the fact that if we are actually going to experience the freedom, not just individual freedom, but the collective freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus, we will, learn, we will need to learn to die to shallow human tendencies. Maybe yours is not hypocrisy like Peter. Maybe yours is gossip. Maybe yours is, is you have an issue with someone, and rather than going to them and discussing it, you want to find three others and talk about it around the corner. And, and there, there are ways in which we, even as saved folks, we, we have a hard time letting go of these human tendencies that keep getting in the way of us being the people that God has called us to be. And we say stuff like, that's just the way I am. I'm an Aquarius. I'm a Cancer. Don't act like you don't know a Christian who is saved, speak in tongues, fire baptized, and say, I, my craziness is because of my horoscope. If we are to be the people that God has called us to be, we've got to let go of some things in our lives that we're very familiar with. We saw it in our mama. We saw it in our daddy. We saw it in our aunties and uncles. And we're, we're just, it's just the, the way we were raised. And God is saying to us today through this that if you actually want to be free, you have an opportunity to have a new reality, to let go of some of those things, to no longer be ruled by the ways of this world, to, to live according to the ways of the kingdom. But we have to learn to die to these shallow human tendencies. The last thing Paul says in this particular text, if we want to live the life of freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus, he says, we have to die to off-brand righteousness. He says, die to off-brand righteousness. Verses 19 through 21, here's what it says. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul, Paul says again, as he said so many times before, that there, there, is a, there is a version of righteousness that these false teachers are telling us about. And many of you are, are being sucked into the trap of believing there is another kind of righteousness besides re being saved by the grace of God. You see, the gospel says that we are saved by grace 
through faith. We are not saved by our ability to keep these strict laws. We are not saved by, by our affiliation, our denominational affiliation. We are not saved by who, who, who our, our parents were. We're not saved by which seminary we attended. We are saved by the grace of God. That's, that's what the gospel said. We, we are saved only by the grace of God. But there, there is a, a fake kind of righteousness out there, an off-brand kind of righteousness that tells us we can be saved by other means. It says that we need God's grace and we need to attend this church particularly. We, 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 need, we need the gospel and we need a few add-ons. We, 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 it says we, we, we not only need the gospel of Jesus, we need that plus speaking in tongues. And Paul says, that's off-brand righteousness. My, my 13-year-old, she, I have about a year left of her thinking I'm cool, right? <laughs> and so from time to time, she will, she will share with me a term that she and her friends are using. And one day, um, I, I heard my, my youngest daughter crying um, and all I heard was Taylor, my oldest daughter, walking around her pointing, saying, dupe, dupe, dupe. She, she was teasing her sister that something she had on wasn't actually a brand name thing. It was, it was a, 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 like a, a reject. So, so it was the word dupe, like fake, reject, like skips. Anybody grow up like not being able to afford Nike's Reeboks and you had skips? Like whatever was on sale when your mom went in the store. Some, I can't relate to some of y'all who always got the name brand stuff. So, so this word dupe means reject. It means fake. It means off brand. And, and, and so I, I, I want to, I, I believe if Paul was here today and if he was like sitting with the Mosaic kids this morning, he, he would not call it off brand righteousness. He would call it dupe righteousness. This, this righteousness that says, I'm righteous because of the law, that's off-brand righteousness. That's not actually righteousness. And here's why it's not actually righteousness. The law has no power to save any of us. The law is really good at telling us what we do wrong. It's really good at telling us how messed up we are, but only God's love can make us right and make us righteous. The, the law is really good at showing us what we need to die to, but only God's love shows us what we are called to live for. So the law has its purpose, but the law is a cheap substitute for the love of God and the love that God pours out on us. The law has its purpose, but the law is a cheap substitute. There's something in all of us, I believe, that that makes us predisposed, though, to accept an off-brand version of something rather than the real thing. Even when the real thing is accessible to us, sometimes we'll go for the off-brand version. Um, some of us in the room grew up drinking Dr. Pepper. But other of, of us in the room, if we, we can throw that image up, grew up drinking Dr. Thunder or Dr. Perky. I've never heard of Dr. Perky, and I was super poor. So, some of us grew up drinking Mountain Dew. Others of us grew up drinking Mountain Lion. 
It all depends on what's on sale when mama goes in the store. Some of us grew up eating Fruit Loops. Others of us grew up eating Fruit Rounds. Some of us love Honey Nut Cheerios. But others of us <laughs> love Honey Nut Scooters. Y'all know I love, I love Jordans. I love Jordans, right? And, and I, I've seen many people in the congregation wearing Jordans more and more, and I love it. I, I take it as a sort of term of endearment when I, when I see it. Um, th- throw that image up real quick for us. Um, when you go home, check your Jordans. <laughs> the image on my right is the jump man. The image on the left is... Um, if a, a pizza guy was going through the neighborhood holding a box of pizza and he passed by the park and they were playing basketball and somebody passed him the ball and he wanted to take a shot as he was on the way to delivering a pizza, that's what it looks like on the right. Even when the original is available, sometimes there's something within us that says, I'm just going to go with the off-brand one. I'm going to go with the other one. And sometimes we actually begin to prefer the off-brand one. But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our righteousness, when it comes to freedom in Christ, I want to encourage us that the real stuff is the good stuff. The, The real stuff is the good stuff. There is no power in being a legalistic Christian. Our power, our freedom, our liberty comes because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And as you mature as a Christian, if you're going to experience the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus, you've got to become really good at sifting out the real righteousness of God from the fake righteousness that this world offers us. Freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Freedom also doesn't mean this weird marriage between America as a Christian nation and the military and the police and all those other things. That's also not what we mean by freedom. Freedom means because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I am free from the power of sin. I am free from legalism. I am free to love and serve my brothers and sisters, and I am free to worship the living Savior. That's what it means to be free. And so I want to I close today by giving us a moment to reflect. Because all of us have some things in our lives that are getting in the way of us experiencing our freedom in Jesus. And so there, there are a couple of questions I, I want to ask of us. First question is this. What, what, might be God, what might God be calling you to die to in order to experience freedom in your life? And this is not a question for everybody around you. This is a question for you. Only you can answer this question. What might God be calling you to die to in order to experience freedom in Christ? And as you think about that, then then there's a communal question for us to reflect on. What might God be calling us as a church community to die to 
in order to be the free people that God has called us to be. People of grace, people of hope, and people of healing. I worship, the band's going to play something soft for us as we reflect on that for a moment. I, I, I want you to just sit where you are, think about this. Lord, what are you calling me to die to? What are the things right now, what are the ways that I've lived my life and I'm living my life right now that's actually getting in the way of the freedom that is mine in Christ Jesus? And then, Lord, as a church, as a community, Lord, what are, the, what are the things that are getting in the way of us experiencing the freedom that is ours in Christ, that is ours in Christ Jesus? We, we want to be free people. We, we want to experience everything that God has given us. Nothing more, nothing less. And that means dying to some things. So let's, let's do the hard work today of identifying what those things are. Let's, let's sit and reflect for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your people. We thank you, God, that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And we thank you, God, that you are helping us and teaching us even now what it means to live as free people. God, we acknowledge today that the world, our culture, offers us many things and calls it freedom. God, we pray today that you would help us to see what true freedom in Christ is. And God, as you show us the image of our true freedom in Christ, we pray that you would also help us to be mindful of the things that are blocking our growth, blocking our progression, getting in the way of us becoming the people you called us to be. And God, as you identify those things, would you help us by giving us the courage to die to those things, to cast them aside, to put them away, to deny ourselves so that we might receive all that you have for us. And God, here, here's, here's, here's the blessing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're not simply calling us to die to this, die to this, die to this, just so you might strip everything away from us. God, you call us to die to certain things so that we might truly live. God, you've promised that what you have for us is far greater than anything that this world can offer us. And so we trust in you. And we say yes to your will and your way. God, we promise today that we're going to pursue what you called us to. God, meet us in our, our, our longing. <laughs> 
Meet us in our striving. Strengthen us to be the people you've called us to be. We love you, Father. We're grateful to know you first loved us. Be with us now and in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen, amen, amen.